This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey there, everybody. This is Chris. <laughs> yeah, who messed up this time? <laughs> oh, also, hello. This is Jesse. <laughs> welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Geology Flannel Cast. Uh, Chris, I'm well, excited about this one. Yeah, while Chris composes himself and pulls his stuff together, you know, I can I can start us off. I'm just kidding. Chris is sitting there like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm good to go. I'm cool and collective. <laughs> yeah, but if you're not watching this on YouTube, you have no idea. You just think I'm correct. So yes. tonight's uh, tonight's episode today, this week's, let me just say, is going to be dynamite. I'll, t- I'll tie that in later. Oh, I like it. Oh, I'm, I'm excited, interested. Excited to see where this goes. <laughs> Dynamite. Is this about JJ Walker? No. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, this this week we are going to be putting the hurt on shirt. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Even the better. Crypto crystalline wonder of the world. <laughs> Whoa! I want to. I want to get that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Right. Can I invest? Can I invest in some of this crypto crystalline? It's not on the website. (laughs) Yeah, the next next Doge coin. (laughs) What was the? uh, What did we have last week with the with the banded iron formations? Crypto. So it was a cryptomorphic. Crypto. Ah, I can't. Yeah. Well, we're actually going to talk a little bit about the banded iron formations a little bit later in the in the podcast today. There's a little little bit of a. I don't want to say the not so much a spinoff episode of that one, but kind of a a generalized continuation. So yeah, I was, they, it, was my, it was my turn to pick a topic this week and figured, you know, we were talking a lot about chert last week with the banded iron formations and what the heck. Sounds like it's it's a nice segue, a nice continuation of flows. And so I mean, in the biffs, they're layered. They go together like a biff. Oh, mm-hmm. we'll get we'll get into that. How it's a little Ooh. Little, uh, it's interesting how that happens. Oh, controversial, even. Yeah, just a head scratcher, head scratcher. Yes, yes. but uh, but you know, we are the the premier geology podcast that is. Uh, we'll cover the topics that everyone else fears to cover. So that's right. We'll dive right into this one. Yeah, mm. but uh, don't forget, it's uh, make a friend may. That means you have to tell someone about the geology podcast and they will instantly become your friend. So it's a well-known fact or little known fact. I should say, let's make saw, it a well-known fact. I just saw a research paper about that. How you tell somebody about the geology flannel kiss will instantly <laughs> become your friend. It's kind of weird, but Hey, right, if it works, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a little niche uh, publication, but yeah, it's, it's out there. <laughs> and we just lost 75% of our viewers. So, <laughs> Now that we've trimmed the fat and all your heart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So chert, Chris, uh, we know it's the crypto crystalline wonder of the world, but what is it? So most cherts are made of pure silica. So silica SiO2 can't beat it. It's the best. 
Unless so you it's, like, so oh, it's quartz. It's done. Quartz. Podcast it's over. Microcrystalline quartz. Ah. Have a good night. So these, uh, so microcrystalline quartz, the grains are very, 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 very tiny. Um, also with cherts, when you deal with the, the rock chert, these things are, are pretty pure, uh, pure silica, I should say. There's really not that many impurities in these things. Like you'll have like less than 10% of maybe some clay minerals, calcite, hematite, um, yeah, but pretty much, you know, we're dealing with 90 plus percent silica or microcrystalline quartz. All right. Um, and when we say microcrystalline quartz, like I previously mentioned, you know, the grains are really, really, really small. How small are they? So small <laughs> that they range from a few tenths of a micron to tens of microns. Wow. Yeah. Whew. So we always talk about stuff in terms of like elephants, but. What's the, uh, in terms of how, what, what percentage of an elephant would be a micron? <laughs> a small one. A really, <laughs> really tiny elephant. But so like po- 0.2 microns, you're getting down almost to the atomic scale. Well, that was the smallest. Well, Steve, that 0.2 microns was the smallest grain of, of chert ever reported. Ooh. And it seems like that's about as, as small as it gets. We're dealing with a few tenths of a micron and some of them, and even to like tens of microns, tens of microns are pretty small too. Um, but they think that this is the, uh, that's the minimal possible size of microcrystalline quartz is like 0.2 microns. It's like physically can't get smaller than that. Huh. Um, was, uh, so Maddie says elephant hair would be millimeters thick. So we're dealing stuff that's, a fraction of an elephant hair. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yes. Uh, um, we're really going to sell this elephant uh, scale. <laughs> oh, it's the physicist I mean, all the time. Yeah. It's applicable for big and small, as yeah. we just showed. I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm, I'm already thinking of t shirt designs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who can't visualize? A yeah. single elephant hair in their head I, right now. I don't care how many seats your SUV has. How big is it compared to an elephant? <laughs> Good question. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking to buy a car, and that's what I ask the yeah. dealer every time. Is this like three quarters of an elephant or like five eighths of an elephant? Like, what are we talking here? So, yeah. to sense of scale, one millimeter equals a thousand microns. Yes. Or a micrometer. So, so you're yeah. talking like a, a thousand times smaller than the hair of an elephant really leaning into this yeah but like uh, what would you what's a grain of sand let's use a real all right uh two millimeters to one sixteenth of a millimeter yeah so so <clears throat> two thousand microns on the the largest end of uh of sand and then it's what 0. 0.063 millimeters i believe is that what one sixty six four six four six three sixty four microns yeah yeah, I'm, I'm holding we're, we're it going, to we're it. We're literally going to. <laughs> <laughs> could have sworn it was 63, though. Are you sure? Well, now I'm second guessing myself. <laughs> Either we're way. having a debate over one micron here. So. <laughs> we're, we're literally <laughs> splitting things that are smaller than hairs. Splitting microns. Here. Yeah, splitting microns. That's geology flannel cast. Microns. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, the, the, our, our listeners should know we're here. To get the facts straight. Yeah, actually, That's we're it. and we're we're generally more lumpers than splitters. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so small quartz, got it. Really, really so. small quartz. Um, so 
good good friend of the podcast, uh, Robert Folk. You guys, you guys know this guy? Like, the, as far Folk. as I'm concerned, this guy is is Mr. Sedimentology, Mr. Textual Analysis. As as in like Folk and Dunham. Yeah. Oof. No like, thanks. Dunham, Dunham, Dunham. Wait, you're not a fan? Oh, maybe it's just my disdain for carbonate rocks. <laughs> well, no, you also did um, all the basically all the statistics for uh, textual analysis of of sediment size. I mean, <clears throat> that's that's your that's your gig. I just know I, I have an entire I, you, I, I wrote an entire dissertation about this guy. Yeah, basically, I just when you when you send me the statistics, I'm like, tell me what I'm looking at. <laughs> what's the, the square so chris, chris actually we're doing this project send me this textual analysis and i'm like looks like it's finding upward that was my insight it's big at the bottom and it's smaller at the top so hey. that's a river i spent all this time cracking the running the statistics and that's <laughs> that's jesse but yep. anyways god bless him. everyone Jesse, Robert Falk, all those, everyone. Um, all right. So uh, let's see. According to Robert Falk, who is, like I said, the, oh my goodness, heavyweight in the field of se- sedimentology, uh, chert can be broken up into three main textural types. Right? We have granular micro quartz. Uh, this stuff's equidimensional, meaning like, you know, it's not elongated or anything like that. Kind of more closer to like a equidimensional thing would be like a sphere. Uh, and these things are small, like an average of eight to 10 microns, man, that's really small, but it could be anywhere from, um, you know, basically what, uh, you know, one, one to 50 microns or so, uh, chalcedony. So that's, that stuff's, uh, really thin. These like sheet, like, uh, when you see chalcedony under a microscope, it, it, it looks like it's like, it's, it's radiating out these tiny little slivers of quartz that are, that are radiating, radiating out from a central point. Um, almost like, uh, it's kind of like bicycle spokes kind of coming out from the, the center of your, of your bike wheel. And so these things are about uh, tenths of 10th of a millimeter long. And then finally you have mega quartz. So mega quartz, as it says, this is like, this is larger stuff. So, um, I, I love that name. Mega, mega quartz. quartz. <laughs> Not regular quartz. Yeah. Sounds like a transformer, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, mega quartz is equine to, you have equine to elongated quartz grains, basically kind of any shape where you want. Um, that's what that means, basically. And greater than 20 microns. All right. So chert as a rock, we might have we throw this rock, or we throw this name out a lot, but there's a bunch of other names that that go along with chert or synonymous with chert that are based on impurities so going down the list here the first one is jasper now this is what we were actually talking about last week with the banded iron formations hmm. right we talked about these these red charts right and uh they're red because there's trace amounts of hematite in there so there you go. Boom. Little, you, you just need a, a, a little bit of iron to turn this thing, to turn this thing red. But, um, and so you get the Jasper, we talked about last week with the banded iron formations, the basically the iron, um, the iron layers, 
it's laminated the iron layers uh altered alt um uh, oh what's the word? alternating alternating with uh with jasper so we see like we said we see that a lot in the banded iron formations and um the the interbedded jasper in these precambrian um banded iron formations is called jasper light so spent a lot of time thinking about that name it was a you know i'm sure they thought long and hard about that name is very very complex (laughs) what can we call this rock made of jasper Mm. only the answer is right in front of us (sighs) (laughs) i guess i guess we'll never get one um so then i mean the name jasper means spotted or speckled and that's jasper has that really like it's red with with like black in it right which i guess is the iron is the blacks right and so the silica is yeah i mean i guess i guess the iron in the silica makes it turn red but then the iron speckles are those black speckles yeah i guess yeah you're right The, the hematitis would be red too um, and you can actually have green jasper. Yes. So I guess that was maybe just iron that's been reduced before it. Yeah. I would, it sounds I would about think. right. I've yeah, never so. personally seen green jasper, though. Usually when you see it, it's red. I'm not saying it can't be green. I've just never seen green jasper. You see it in some, some old um, jewelry. Old-timey like, mineral shops. Like uh <laughs> like ancient egypt oh old really old like <laughs> like three thousand years old yeah yeah you i know. guess it, it looked cool and it was probably rare so yeah because it's i mean chert and all these you know jasper and we talk about flint like they have that really sort of smooth appearance to them and they fracture really uh, I guess you get conchoidal fracturing because it's quartz, but yeah, absolutely they break. You get conchoidal fracture. Yeah, yeah, you get those, but you get those nice sharp edges too. Whoo, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. One uh, fancy a little little tip here for the uh, for geologists about conchoidal fracture. If you've never heard of conchoidal fracture before, conchoidal fracture is looks like there's little like ice cream scoops taken out of the uh, out of the rock. There, this is how you know. It's how it how how it fractures or how it breaks up, and the easiest way that to remember that conchoidal fracture looks like ice cream scoops. Think of an ice cream cone, conchoidal cone. That is terrible. What is just mean? concave, conchoidal? Right, you know, <laughs> Done. Study your own way, right? I don't, <laughs> you I really ice, love ice, cream. ice cream and ice cream cones, and like, come on, man. This is why I, I never studied with Steve. <laughs> Steve never really studied much, so that's okay. Um, that, that's else? no, anything that else? I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, any anything else about Jasper? Any nope. other fun facts? That's it. Mm. We've exhausted mm. the fact of we have a whole yeah. on Jasper. So we've <laughs> talked about Jasper more than I've ever talked about Jasper in my entire life. <laughs> yes. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. All right. You guys ready to talk about this next type of chart more than you've talked about this? Probably. This type of rock in your life? Flint. Flint. Now, everyone's probably heard of Flint before. Flintstone. Um, Yabba dabba doo. One of the greatest I... cartoons ever made. 
for the just night. put that together in my head right now. <laughs> really? What? Flintstones. Yeah. Flint. Yeah. That, what? That just... <laughs> huh. What was um, the... Uh, uh, what was, didn't uh, Fred Flintstone's boss had some kind of... What was his name? He had some kind of, of rock name, too. Fred Flintstone, wor- uh, Fred Flintstone worked at a, uh, a, a quarry. quarry. Yeah, right? he did work at a quarry. I forget what his quarry. boss's name was, but yeah. But so Flint, Flint is gray to black um, because usually includes organic matter, um, typically in nodules. Um, it's Chris's outline says lots of stuff associated with Cretaceous chalk, um, which makes sense. I mean, chalk can be made from silicious material as well. But uh, Flint is hard, right? And it's good for um, starting fires. If you strike Flint, you know, you can get sparks. Oh. So, like, that's why, like, if you ever see, like, an old, like, Flint and Tinderbox or something you like watch that. Watch Bear Grylls or Les Stroud, you know? Uh, no, so- I'm just... I'm just old, and I used to have to heat my house by making my own fires, Chris. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, by the way, thank you. Um, we got a name for the uh, Fred Flintstone's boss there. Uh, good friend, Don. Mr. Mr. Slate. Slate. Yes. Mr. Classic. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Don, for that one. <laughs> yes. Tidbit of knowledge there. Um, yeah, the Flintstones was based on geology. They were like, that was... Actually, it was just yeah, Fred, humans, humans and, and dinosaurs living together. <laughs> it was basically a documentary. <laughs> yes, and then those last couple of seasons where the alien came in—what was his name, Zazu or something? Oh, oh there gosh. was an alien with the Flintstones, the little <laughs> yeah. tiny one. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, they lived in bedrock. They did live uh, in bedrock. Yeah, yes. Um, this is really blowing my mind. <laughs> we should do an episode on the Flintstones for the next final cast. My goodness. Oh my gosh. I'm going to, what was like, Fred, what was the, the quarry they worked? Let's see. All right. <laughs> While you guys are looking that up. Um, uh, yes. So, Flint, I, I think I, I'm just spitballing here. I think Flint comes from um, Flint. Flint is a town in, in Wales, but Flintshire. Is like a Anglo-Saxon, you know, early Middle Ages uh, area of what is today Great Britain. But you find Flint, as you have here, it's associated with Cretaceous chalks, which are, you know, the the southern coast of England. And I, so I think that's where the name is derived from. Yeah, but I don't I know what came first. The Flint chalk or... cliffs are an excellent place to find Flint. Um, I have some uh, some English Flintstone. Somebody, or a friend of mine, brought back. Oh, cool! Yeah, and it, we... it, it is gray, just like uh, <laughs> just like we said it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 handy in a pinch if you're like a survivalist. You should have a piece of flint because if you if you it's strike still, two. Well, it's Two still pieces. hard to make a fire with flint. It's not like no, you, know, gosh, you have like a yeah. big lighter and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, look. no, it's still you're no. gonna, it, you it, causes, doing. it causes a spark. Yeah. And that's going to slice your hand before you start a fire. Probably. That's my that would so. be if I was if I was gambling, you will cut yourself. 
Yes. You'll bleed uh, out before you start a fire. All right. <laughs> uh, don't bleed out anybody. We need all the listeners we can get for this podcast. So <laughs> yes, and don't don't forget to tell a friend. Well, tell a, yeah. Become become a Patreon. Um, speaking of Patreons, um, I do believe it's that point in our outline where we talk about one of our greatest Patreons, the Formatting Formula. Oh, of course. So, so formattingformula.com is a gracious um, supporter of the podcast. We'd like to thank formattingformula.com for supporting us uh, over this last, I don't know, seems like two decades. I'm probably off a little bit. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, since uh, off and on, I guess, well, because we've been off and on. <laughs> yeah. Not not of their fault. <laughs> no, no. Thank you, Formatty Formula, for sticking through our, our slight hiatus where we forgot to hit record. Um, <laughs> all Steve's but, fault. Yeah. Formattingformula.com for all your word formatting needs. Um, any Anything from helping you format a, a large document, like a dissertation or a thesis or something like that, or some sort of uh, regulatory um, requirements. You know, I know like that, that, FDA and, and a, a bunch of regulatory reports have to be submit, submitted in a very specific way. And the formatting formula can help you with that. Um, or uh, if you go to YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula, they have all of these wonderful YouTube videos where you can actually learn how to do it yourself. Um, so check them out. Formattingformula.com. Uh, click on a like, subscribe to them. Um, once you subscribe to the formatting formula, you can go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, but uh, check them out formattingformula.com. But more importantly, make sure you send, tell them the geology flannel cast sent you. So thanks again, formatting formula. And we can jump back into your wonderfully formatted outline, Chris. Hmm. Well, the next type of chart is noviculate. All right. So novic noviculate, excuse me is a thermally metamorphic banded chert. It's very pure, uh, very white form, uh, and has a high content of extra crystalline water in, in it. What? What? Yes. So Continue. Um, all right. So it's <laughs> extra crystalline water. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very dense, fine-grained, uh, even texture chart that occurs uh, mainly in Paleozoic rocks of Arkansas, Oklahoma, and the Texas region. So that huh. portion of the United States, the Arkansas noviculite has a nine. It is made of ninety nine percent silica. So you want that's to talk crazy. about pure silica? That's like there are the Arkansas noviculite is all in basically <laughs> silica content. It's it's going you know go big or go home, right? Nice. So there's that's, that. That's pretty wild. That's a, that's that's a really really pure form of uh, of chert right there. Uh, let's see. Next we have. I like the name of this porcelain porcelainite. Uh, so it has this porcelain like texture. It has uh, and that's caused by the presence of disordered chrysobolite. Right. Uh, chrysobolite is. It's another it's form of. It's another form of quartz and. That's, is that the one from the asteroid impacts off the top of my head? No, that's stichovite. Yeah, oh, that's okay, stichovite. Right, right. Yeah. So crystobolite's another form of quartz. Um, let's see. Where <laughs> I like how our knowledge of, of mineralogy is like, <clears throat> uh, we know the one that the impact and you're like, 
you have no other fun fact about Cristobalite if it's not the <laughs> Well, it's just another type of quartz. <laughs> it's some uh, sort of arrangement of silicas and oxygens together. Yeah. yeah possibly uh, as- in a tetrahedron. Yes. Uh, we'll figure something fun about this. Yeah. Cristobalite. Um, it's a polymorphous silicate that forms at very high temperatures. Huh. Um, yes. So it's used for making for models of teeth. Cristobalite. Huh. Small octahedral crystals. So if, if you take like <clears throat> clay that has porcelainite in it and you cook it, will it Will it turn into like porcelain? Uh, I don't know what porcelain. No, because porcelain is. I don't. Mm, I, I think it's just called porcelain. I just because it kind of looks because of like its porcelain, like the texture. But uh, yeah, because it looks like unglazed porcelain. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think it, I think other than look and feel, that's. Um, that's where the commonalities end. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Yep, I, I just I think porcelain itself is is more of like a clay slurry. That's so I was going to say I heated. Oh, is, okay, yeah. that makes sense. And uh, and you can't clay. have crystalline. You can't have clay. You can't have quartz clay. It just can't happen. Nope, won't do it. <laughs> just won't do it. Prove so. it. <laughs> Um, so then the last one, the last type of chert that we have is, uh, salacious sinister or sinter, excuse me, <laughs> salacious sinter. Uh, this is, uh, porcelain, uh, porcelain, Jesus. Come on, man. Porcelain. Yeah. I can't read right now. Excuse got, me. Got the por- uh, porcelain on your mind. I, got, I, I can't, I can't stop thinking about this porcelain. Uh, it's porous and low density. And this is an interesting one because it comes from hot springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a light colored mm-hmm. silica rock that comes from hot springs water. So, yeah. So, um, to, to center something is to, to make it solid or, or, like a porous mass usually by heating it and so you use it oftentimes in refining when you when you refine iron ore um when you have a mixture of ore and other things when you're preparing like when you're about to smelt it in in the smelter you're um you're sintering it Hmm. interesting and so the this silicious material precipitating out um, from mineral springs. That's that's why we call it silicious center. Cool. I like it. Silicious center. So we could, yeah, it's like uh, you're smelting the, the the silica. Silica smelt. Smelted silica. There you go. Yeah. Smelted silica. He who smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> and the hot springs dealt it. There you go. And sometimes <laughs> they do smell. It's like rotten eggs. Yeah. 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 All right. So, um, all right. So we got a little talk about the, some of the other names of charts there. Uh, one of the other minerals that, or the, uh, you know, quartz related minerals you're going to see a lot with these, uh, associated with these charts is going to be opal. Now opal has a chemical. So the, the chemical form for chart is SiO2 and opal has a chemical formula. that's very similar to chart. Uh, it's SiO2 with some H2O in there. 
Yeah. So, so we call that hydrated. Yeah. And so fun fact about opal is that it's because of that water molecule that's in there. It is, uh, it's a little bit softer than the other, the other polymorphs of quartz. And it's also less stable. Yes. Yes. Not, not to say it's unstable, but it's less stable. Which brings us to our next point. Usually you only see opal in younger rocks. And it's very rare to see opal in rocks that are less than 60 million years old. They're more than 60. Did I say less than? Yes. It's so they're, like they're typically than- in, they're typically <laughs> in they're rocks younger. that are less than yep. 60 yes. million years old. Yes. Oh, they're mostly, I read that wrong. Jeez. Yep. I'm reading for- <laughs> That's all right. So basically if they're older than 60 million years old, chances are the opal has decomposed because it's less stable. Mm-hmm. So Kick that if water it's, out. yeah. So. So, you know, if you have a piece of opal sitting on your table in 60 million years, it'll probably disintegrate. So, so because it, because it has that, the water component, it's, it's slightly amorphous. So it's technically a mineral rolloid. Yes. Not crystalline. That's true. Yep. The redheaded stepchild of the mineral family. The mineraloids. <laughs> mineraloids. I'm telling That's, you, you know, you know what another mineraloid is? What's Coal. that? Call and once again, full circle. And back we're back. Call. Yeah, we're yeah. back. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so, isn't it all like a gemstone? Don't they use that in jewelry? Like well? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's got like a pretty, pretty like sheen to it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's actually the term is called opalescence because it has um, the refractive qualities of it. Uh, actually, makes it look like rainbowy, like a. Um, mother of pearl kind of like yeah. rainbowy shimmery because of the um because it's amorphous it doesn't have a strict crystalline internal structure it allows that instead of the light just going in and going out in the same direction like you would a regular crystal it goes in and it kind of weaves all around and it you know scatters the light in like a prism and it makes it look all beautiful and rainbowy well that's really cool yeah it's also uh <clears throat> I want to say it's 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 like a superstitious rock too. It's thought to have like uh like it doesn't trust people. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is is opal what they used to make the mood rings out of? No. No. <sighs> okay. Oh. No, sorry. <laughs> no, but I think it was because of the opalescence they thought it was just like possess virtue or power or something and you know the, in the middle ages or whatnot yeah. more of a labrador essence kind of guy anyways it was just opalescence you know, is <laughs> the the early middle ages yeah you know king john wearing a mood ring that's how you would know if it's before his him. time it's before yeah. his time yeah. you know it's, it's really what it was but uh yeah opal is you know fairly rare and it is pretty so it yes it, it does have a um uh, it does have value. So if you find Opal, keep it. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Yes. Keep it a secret. It's, and then it's mail like it. it to the geology flannel cast. <laughs> I was going to say it's like uh, the ring from Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. My precious. Precious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, so my Opal. <laughs> so in terms of abundance for chirts, uh, Charts are particularly abundant in Jurassic to Neogene rocks, basically 
Jurassic and H uh, uh, into into the Cenozoic era. Uh, they are moderately abundant in Devonian and Carboniferous rocks, and least abundant in Silurian and Cambrian deposits. So, fun little That's, fact there. That's uh, wh- why do you think that is? Well, we're going to get into that actually. Ooh, great. So hold that thought. I will. I will answer that question fully. Okay, but just. Ooh. I, you better call me out in, like in in about uh, a, a little bit later right because we're going to talk about how you make church right the actual formation of church and the yeah. exact reason why that you see it's um you know you kind of you see it more prevalent from from uh you know starting around the jurassic period and moving on um so uh, other, other fun things about chert is that they're really important because they tell you information about Earth's history, like the paleogeography, paleo-oceanic, paleo-oceanographic, excuse me, circulation patterns and plate tectonics. So you get some, some of that information out of charts. We're not going to focus on that kind of stuff. Uh, we're just going to kind of stick to just more or less kind of a, a petrographic description of, of charts for, for this episode. Yeah, and I think um, when we start talking about the formation, one thing you may have asked yourself, you may have said, like, chert is silica. Then how does it differ from, just say, like, quartz you find at the beach? Like quartz sand. And I think we'll explain that. We'll get into that when we talk about how it forms exactly here. Yeah, That is good. That that is something that is... bugged me oh we'll, we'll, we'll get into that um so just uh real fast some some brief uses for church uh it doesn't really have a huge economic importance but uh silicon though is used in the semiconductor industry computers and stuff like that uh processors um but uh so you can get you need silicon from that um glass making also some other related products like fire bricks. It's a fun one that I came across, mm. but uh, most of the silica actually comes from quartz sand and they don't mm. really get this from church. So hmm. <laughs> <laughs> disappointed, Jesse. Let's not count out the economic, the, the economic importance of uh, survivalists. You could sell Ooh. Flint. Yeah. Flint. Huge flint industry for just people yeah. trying to survive in the woods. Don't you don't get on the bad side of big flint. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't. They'll think burn I your see. house down. Ooh, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. You're not going to find an arsonist with flint. Hang right? on. It's, just, it's <laughs> yeah. You know. By the way, the uh, I just kind of jogged my memory of this. Uh, the quarry that Fred Flintstone worked at was a slate rock and gravel company. So which makes sense. No, Mr. It, doesn't, Sl- it doesn't make so oh, Mr. Slate. Yeah. Yes. But you're not getting gravel in like, yeah, I know. I, you know, I take that back hundred percent. You see in the Flintstones, here's my gripe <laughs> with this. All right. But Fred Flintstone worked at Brontosaurus, which there is no more Brontosaurus anymore. It's Brachiosaurus. Right. Uh, so, and what that scraped away the rock. I don't anyways, that was their version of a crane, but you wouldn't have gravel in like hard rock unless it's 
the gravel's in a conglomerate. I'm really kind of no, you're, you're here with this one. Reaching. <laughs> where, where do you think they get gravel from? From unconsolidated sediment. No, they blast rock and they crush it. <laughs> oh, they just do. They make their own gravel. They make yes. their own gravel. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Man. It's a yeah. geologist who's never been to a quarry. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, plowing ahead. Yes. You you went back and diverged on that one. That was all you, Chris. It's really been really been grinding your gears, the historical inaccuracy of the Flintstones. <laughs> well, I'm just happy that Steve brought up the aliens and the Flintstones. I totally <laughs> forgot about those. those guys. It was it was just one guy. I think it was, it was just the one, one alien. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe he had like a lady friend or something. I forget. Anyway, I, I'm, I think I, I can see myself going down a YouTube rabbit hole tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's basically, we see chert in like two types of settings, two types of uh, stratigraphic formations. We get nodules in carbonate rocks. And then there's also uh, bedded chert. And that tends to be associated with shales and iron formations, specifically banded iron formations, right? Mm. Um, so for the really old stuff. So like during like the pre-Cambrian time, we tend to see more of the chirts coming or we, yeah, we see more of the chirts in bedded formations during the pre-Cambrian time. And during the Phanerozoic eon, we see them in nodules in limestones. So that really starts to, that formation starts to really uh, increase. So interesting point there. And we're going to get back to this, uh, this at the very end of the podcast, we'll get back to this, uh, the pre-Cambrian stuff, because Ooh. I thought that was pretty cool. The, the pre-Cambrian stuff There's a really interesting story with how these things are forming in, in pre-Cambrian time. Aliens. Alien. <laughs> right. Mess your hair up and your hair gets crazy looking. Yep. <laughs> panel. That's what Sasquatch told me. Mm-hmm. Carry on. And, and the Egyptians. So, <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. So bedded shirts. Okay, so your your bedded charts are they're going to be consistent of layers of nearly pure chert ranging in several centimeters uh, thick, and they're commonly interbedded with millimeter thick laminae of slaceous shale. Okay, so chert and shale, tiny little little uh, shale layers in between. Right, um, they usually don't show any evidence of sedimentary structures. Right, but some do. Some charts do show, uh, they might show sedimentary structures like graded bedding. That's basically when you're, the, the really? grain size of your sediment is getting finer. Or uh, it, I'm sorry, it's, uh, it, it kind of, it, it changes. It, it's like a, a gradient, right? A slow, a slow change in your sediment uh, size. Um, cross bedding, uh, ripple marks, and saw markings. So like, um, hmm. so, yeah, so. You you will see you might see some of these sedimentary structures inside the charts, but uh, like I said, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. I guess I guess I've never thought about it in that way. Usually, I think of chert as just chunks. Yeah, because when we get into the yeah. formation of it, we'll get into yeah. like you know how these things form. But uh, if you do see any of that, that kind of indicates there was some type of mechanical transport that was involved. Boom, formation of of the chert. All right. So um, where are the bedded charts coming from? Well, they're commonly associated with submarine volcanic activity, pelagic limestones. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, 
think the the, so the the volcanic activity starts messing with the, the, the chemical conditions of the ocean water, and that's where it's gonna. That's where it's you're gonna get. <clears> to, you start sintering. <laughs> uh, pelagic limestone. So limestones at the bottom of the ocean floor, uh, and potentially sometimes uh, turbidites. I would imagine if they are in a turbidite to be the top part of the turbidite. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the turbidite, we're talking about forming chert. So it'd have to be in the top. Like you're it'd talking to be in the teeny, top. Yeah. tiny, yeah. itty bitty. Yeah. Now, granted, they're still spheres. They're not like paper plates. So they, uh, in the turbidite, if you, if you, if you, well, let's talk about what we did an episode on turbidites and they're basically just underwater avalanches. Yes. And, and it tends to separate out the grain sizes based on, you know, density and size distribution. Yeah. It settles out. Yeah. But, but if you have clay particles that may be of the same size or possibly even smaller than the chert particles or the, the silica, but the shape of the silica would have it drop out of solution faster than the clay particles. Does that make sense? The clay particles, because of their shape, basically paper plates would stay in suspension longer. Hmm. So yeah. that the, the yeah. chert little, little marble would drop out faster. That's uh, this is all. I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, thinking about it now. That makes sense. Cause we get into the yeah. formation of these things. Talk about it could be associated with clay, suspended clay in the in the ocean, in the water column. All right, cool. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'm sold. I said something smart. I'm done. All right. Even even a blind scroll finds a nut. All right. (laughs) It's actually a cashew. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, where are we at? Okay. So there's three types of bedded cherts now. All right. And these are going to be based on your salacious microfossils uh, inside there. So when we say salacious microfossils, we mean these, uh, these microorganisms that have their shells that are made of, of quartz, basically. All right. So the first one, diatomaceous deposits, diatoms, all right? Diatoms are, gotta love you diatoms, all right? So these are unicellular aquatic algae. You live in the, in the, in the water column. And they have these tiny little microscopic shells that are, are made of, of quartz. Well, actually it's uh, well, let's leave it that for now. Uh, so we yeah. find these, these diatoms oh, yeah. that are, they're found in marine deposits and also lake deposits. So diatoms <clears throat> make up a, a huge part of the marine um, ecosystem. They, they account because they're photosynthetic. They account from, depending on how you, you, you measure these things, anywhere from 20 to 50% of the oxygen produced on our planet. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, they um, constitute upwards of half of the uh, organic material in the oceans today. Wow. Which sort of, Ooh. you know, goes hand in hand with producing that much oxygen. So, wow. Yeah. Take that, oh, trees. Their their diatoms are pretty important. Yeah. So yeah, they you... they evolved during the Cretaceous period, 
And so that's about as old as you're going to see the diatoms uh, of the in, in, in these chert deposits, right? You're obviously not going to see them anything older than, than Cretaceous because they just weren't around back then. All right. Now, it, it, the, oh, sorry. The, the diatoms in lake deposits date back to Eocene. So it seems like huh. there's a bit of a bit of a lag there between the uh, Cretaceous and the, the Eocene uh, deposits. Hmm. That's interesting. But it is. Eocene is, uh, is an epoch in the Cenozoic era from, it ranges from 56 to 30, basically 34 million years ago. Yeah. And uh, the Cretaceous goes from 144 to 66 million years ago. So, um, yeah, bit of a lag between the uh, uh, the diatoms showing up in the marine realm and the and the, the lake realm. But plowing ahead, um, so so go ahead. Di- diatom diatomaceous earth, like diatom rich sediment, is one of the I guess areas where you have chert like or cherty material that's economically viable because diatomaceous earth is uh, one used as a filter material. So it's used as water filtering. And is it a water softener hard? No, I think it's just a filter, right? I know they use it a lot in pool filters and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But it's, it's also the stabilizer for nitroglycerin. Wow, so you're talking about with dynamite. Yeah, so this is what Nobel used as because nitroglycerin is really, really uh, reactive. It used to just like blow up if you bumped it. Whoopsies. Which is bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, diatomaceous earth was one of the ways Alfred Nobel stabilized it to form dynamite. And I was taught incorrectly, it turns out that the name dynamite comes from the diatoms, diatomaceous earth. But it's actually, he, he named it after uh, dynamis, which is the Greek word for uh, power potential, which means mm. it has the potential oh. for power, which is what I guess dynamite is. So. I wonder if diatoms were named after him for the same Ooh, That's where it all reason. comes from. Right, they power. They're the lungs of the earth. So it's power it's, the earth, power life on earth. The diatoms put in a lot of oxygen in the atmosphere, which yeah. causes combustion, and Ooh, then, but yeah. it also stops the dynamite from <sighs> combusting. They they really do it all. Wow, where where would we be without diatoms? Um, we would not be here. No, be some Got sort of cyanobacteria. Sliming around. I'm telling you, Jokers. that's awesome. That, that's incredible. I didn't know that about the TNT. That that's what stabilized the yeah, nitroglycerin. So these diatoms are converted to quartz chert during diagenesis. So a lot of these, a lot of these uh, uh, microscopic organisms that are going to be making up chert. Their shells are people. It's commonly taught there. They have well. It's not. I guess it's. They'll say that how they have uh, silica shells, right? The shells are actually made of opal. 
And then what? during diagenesis, it converts to, yeah, it converts to quartz, microcrystalline quartz. So basically the water gets driven off. Basically, it's, yeah, you, you, during oh, diagenesis, okay. you, you drive the water off. Either you, you bake it off or you squeeze it out. Hmm. There you go. Hey, sometimes the juice is worth the squeeze. You know what I'm saying? I could have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Radiolarian deposits. Radiolarians. All right. Um, these things. What do you guys think these things are made of? They are made of radiolarians. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Mandalorians. Sorry. No, I got all excited. No, just, sorry, no. sorry. Much tinier than that. Uh, Radiolarians are marine planktonic protozoans. All right. And they have a, their uh, skeletal framework is made of a lattice of opal. There comes in the, the opal once again. All right. So the, uh, the radiolarian cherts are commonly associated with volcanic tufts, uh, pillow basalts, pelagic limestones, and turbidite sandstones. The turbidite sandstones are going to indicate a uh, deep water origin, right? And radiolarians tend to survive diagenesis more, more effectively than than your diatoms do. So you'll tend to see inside the church, you'll send, tend to see more evidence of radiolarians than you would, than you would have diatoms. And radiolarians are common uh, components in many of the churches. So you zoom in microscopically, you might actually see some of these radiolarians actually, as opposed yeah. to you probably won't see some of these diatoms. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, let's see, we have another, another type of, uh, Another type of uh, bandit chert called uh, salacious spicule deposits. These, awesome. these are some of my favorites. Yeah. Your, your favorite? Some of them. They're up there. What makes it your favorite? What about it's, it? It's basically a glass sponge. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So spicules come from sponges. And there are these. Uh, Spicules are these tiny little microscopic. Uh, they, uh, under a microscope, they look like you know those, uh, that game Jacks that kids used to play in like the 1950s. I guess like you know, way 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 back, little sticky <laughs> things. Yes. Um, yeah. That's I'm familiar. I'm familiar with Jacks. You play, you, yeah, of course you play Jacks. <clears throat> so, and you can get them though. I've I've seen them, <clears throat> and I don't know. Maybe it's modern. Uh, where they actually they have really long fibers. They look like fiber optic cable. Oh, really? Yeah, and yeah. It's is really cool. Hmm. Um, but yeah, but the old school ones, yeah, were I guess we'll say Jack like. Really, regardless, they're spiky. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a glass sponge. Mm -hmm. um, uh, <clears throat> they back in the so. In, in the modern, right, <clears throat> reef, coral reefs, as the name implies, are, are corals, which is a, a type of organism. So the coral is the major framework of the reef. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't always the case, right? As you go back in time, different organisms, depending on what was the dominant species at the time, was the major framework builder. Um, 
like you know uh um coccoliths which make up chalks and rudists were, were big during the late cretaceous and, and rudists and 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 whatnot and then different types of corals back in the jurassic and, and say the the triassic <clears throat> you have your horned corals um and uh, your tabulate corals were big back then. But as you get further back, especially into like the late order, uh, the early order vision into Lake Cambrian, sponges were the major framework builder. So sponges had, were where it's at. Yeah. So you had reefs where sponges were, sponges were the, the big man on campus or the big sponge on campus. Man. BSOC. All right. I got the, the gears. The gears are, are churning in my head right now for this. Uh, let's see. Sponges showed up, I would imagine, like late Precambrian. Sponges are thought to be the, the first complex organism. The so, first multicellular organism. Whoa. Yeah. When, yeah. when, when would that? When, when did uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Probably late Precambrian. Uh, like a, 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 a little over a billion years, 700 ago. million years ago, sponges refer they evolved from protists 700 million years ago. Yeah, uh, cool. so hmm. sponges, interesting. I, I, I like to give sponges their due. All right, we're gonna get back to the sponge thing. I got the, the gears, the gears are turning around in my head right now when we talk about the uh. The, how the banded iron formations formed. Ooh. Mm. Mm. All right. Mm. So keep that in the back of your head. All right. I feel like I just keep on like this, this episode is, you know, Oh, we'll it's cover a big it. We'll teaser. Cover it. It's yeah, a big yeah, teaser, a giant teaser. You got to <laughs> stick around till the end for this one. Right. Yeah. What will happen? Uh, all right. So sponge. And then we'll, opposite. we'll slam in a paywall and be like, you have to pay us five bucks to listen to the rest. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's see. Uh, okay. So sponges are obviously, uh, uh, marine in origin and they're associated with glauconitic sandstones. Glauconite's, uh, it's a fun topic. Um, glauconite is, uh, why New Jersey is called the garden state, All right? Glauconitic sandstones, glauconite, or have you ever heard of the term like green sands? That's, that's like, that's glauconite. Glauconite's really weird when you hold it. It's like you have like glauconitic sand. It's uh ah, what's the best way isn't to describe glauconite? Isn't it worm poop? It's exactly what it is. It, yeah. <laughs> it's this worm poop. Yeah, yeah. Lots of lots of uh phosphorus in it, and it makes an excellent fertilizer. Hmm. And that's why uh New Jersey has a crap ton of glauconite there in the state because uh the whole entire southern half of New Jersey's coastal plain. So the, these worms were living along the coastal plain at the, uh, I mean, uh, uh, like the, the shallow marine conditions where they formed and uh, it basically makes it makes the soil really fertile. So that's yeah. why New Jersey's called the garden state because it had very fertile soil from the worm poop. Yeah. New Jersey being pooped on since 60 million <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Once again, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, yep. All right. Uh, we also see these uh, spicules, uh, black shales, uh, clay limestones, and phosphorites. So once again, the, the, the phosphate associated with the glauconites. Uh, and they're not, unlike the other ones, uh, the other types of uh, 
uh, chert deposits, these ones aren't associated with volcanic activity. And typically when you do see sponges in the rock record, sponges like to hang out on passive margins. So that would make sense if they're not being associated with volcanic activity because the sponges don't like the volcanic activity. The sponges want to get away from the volcanic activity. They're hanging out there on the, uh, on the passive margins, nice and boring. They just want to be left alone and do their thing. So uh, there you have it. And they're, uh, so they're typically deposited in shallow water, no more than a few hundred meters deep. But you know, once again, we're talking like you know, passive margin continental shelf, basically. And then we do get this type of chert uh, called uh, that, that doesn't have any fossils in it, non-fossiliferous chert. And this is a type of chert that's like uh, once again, it's we honestly geologists don't really understand why this one occurs. There's a lot of is this like super saturated siliceous water or what potentially yeah we're gonna get into the chemistry a little bit but um oh. yeah yeah but yeah. look yeah so the non got, got at least one chemist on this call oh yeah we got maddie on here maddie maddie can help us out with this one or at least yell at us uh <laughs> but the non-fossiliferous chert tends to be associated with the precambrian iron formations um aka the biffs the banded iron formations and some of the Phanerozoic charts. All right. So there's all your bedded charts. That whole section there is all about bedded charts. And now we move on to nodular charts. All right. So subspheroidal masses, lenses, or these irregular layers, they, the size that they're found in tends to, tends to vary a bit. They can range from a few centimeters to several tens of centimeters, right? These, uh, these nodular charts, they don't really have any internal structure at all. Um, some of them might have some of these uh, salacious fossils or maybe some said structures, but commonly not, not really. They don't really have that. The color for these things range from green to tan to black. Um, and you're typically going to see these nodular charts be associated with limestones from the continental shelf. Uh, you tend to find them concentrated along these horizons that are parallel to bedding. And uh, you'll see them in some sandstones, shales, deep sea clay, lake deposits, and some evaporites. And But these, these nodular charts tend to originate from diagenetic replacements. So after it's, uh, the, the rock, the sediment's been deposited at, in the process of the sediment turning into a rock is when you tend to see the this, uh, some of that material gets replaced into the chert, and that's where you tend to see this stuff forming from. All right, so there's your different types of charts. Crazy. How do they form? Where does it come from? Dun, dun, dun. That's, that's why I'm here tonight. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's why Jesse hasn't signed off yet. He's just like, <laughs> I'm on the edge of my point. seat. Jeez, I'm on the edge of my seat for a yeah. while now. He, he said Cole like 20 minutes ago, and now he's got, <laughs> he's waiting. Like, waiting, is that nothing else? Nothing else to talk about. Just sitting yeah, here waiting for that's the- all I contribute. <laughs> so let's talk about some sources of silica, right? Where does silica come from when you see silica in the ocean? Right? Mm, the rivers. Yes, that is one. You see dissolved silica from the river. So there's a ton of silica on Earth, right? The silicate minerals are the most dominant the most abundant the most dominant you know group of minerals and that what it, is it 80% of all minerals on earth are silicates it's, uh, it's up there it's on 80. the yeah on the surface on the crust yeah 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 
because there's... the crust, the two main elements that make up the crust, silicon and oxygen. Silicon and oxygen. <laughs> Bam! Did I steal your thunder there? Sorry. No, I should have signed off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we allowed to do that? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where's, where does your silica come from? Uh, okay, it's going to come uh, dissolved silica coming from rivers. You're going to get volcanic rocks from the, the mid-ocean ridge. We'll release, uh, you know, put uh, silica into into the um, into the oceans, and then uh, detrital silicate particles on the bottom of the seafloor. Just basically some some you know, some stuff that hits you know for, hang around the bottom of the seafloor that can that can throw some silica into into the right. ocean. So the the river can bring it to you in solution, like in the water, or the river can bring it to you, you know, via transport. Yeah, exactly. But there's a little bit of an issue here. All right. There's not really that much dissolved silica in the ocean water. Oh, we're getting to some chemistry here. Um, especially like when you compare to the amount of dissolved calcium carbonate in the in ocean water, right? There's a ton of that stuff dissolved in the ocean water, but not really so much in not really so much silica. I think on average it's like one part per million uh, dissolved silica in the ocean water. You you would even say it's grossly undersaturated. Yes, mm. very grossly undersaturated. So where's where's all this silica going? Like what's what what's what's the deal with this? All right. Um, the sol- to get uh, silica to dissolve in. Uh, into water, it's you're going to the variable. The main variables are going to be pH, temperature, and pressure. Okay, so silica can dissolve. It greatly the the solubility of silica greatly increases when your pH hits nine, and anything above nine, you can get uh, silica being uh, dissolved into the into the water. Yes. Um. And then the solubility of silica also increases with temperature and then also with pressure, right? So, you know, when you're getting these conditions where silica is being soluble, it's, it's going to be less likely to precipitate, right? So long story short, what's basically going on with the, with silica getting dissolved in the ocean waters is that that's not going to be the main way that we're getting these chirts to, to form. All right. These chirts are going to be forming from more or less biological processes. All right. So specifically organisms, um, organisms are going to be removing this, uh, the silica out of the ocean water. All right. So we're going to, we're going to need the help of some, some biological activity to get this stuff. So it's, it's like, we got, we basically, we know that there's, there's a ton of silica, but we're not seeing this stuff in the oceans. What's going on? Where's all the silica going from coming or where's all the silica going? Turns out the organisms are sucking it out of the ocean water. Basically long story short. Um, and, and it does have different, uh, you know, we talked about the pH temperature and pressure conditions where silica is, you know, somewhat stable. It's a much more robust range than, say, calcium carbonate. Like calcium carbonate, once you get down to a certain depth, that that calcium carbonate 
compensation debt, right? That's that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the CCD. CCD. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. Boom. It's no longer solid. Yeah. The pressure causes yeah. dissolution. The rate of dissolution is greater than the rate of uh, um, sedimentation. Right. So you so, lose your carbonates. So, but you think about it, you know, you're, you're sucking all this carbonate out of the ocean. You're precipitating it into stuff, but then it, if it's, if it's deep enough, once it sinks back down, it's getting back into the water again. Whereas silica, these biogenic things are sucking it out of the water and then that's it. Like it pretty much stays sucked out of the water. Um, if we can come back to my, my, uh, which I didn't realize, but the more I think about it, my, my favorite diatoms, uh, diatoms pull out 6.7 billion metric tons of silicon every year from the, from the waters in which they live. That number is so big. I don't even know what that means. I don't Yeah. <laughs> but they, the how shells, many elephants, how many elephants are in- <laughs> greater than one, more, more than one. Lots but and lots of elephant hairs in these, in these deep parts of the, of the ocean where you, where you're below the CCD and it's basically all just you, when you're building up your, it's that pelagic ooze and the, it's silicious ooze. Um, you, you get dead diatoms, the shells of the diatoms uh, that, that can be as close to half a mile thick of just this silicious ooze from dead diatoms. So a little uh, diatom boneyard down there. Well, shell shells. So, so. Jesse, I didn't uh, listen to anything you just said for the last minute because I was looking up <laughs> how many metric tons is an elephant <laughs> doing right. the quick conversion. Here we go. Okay, so it's six point. <laughs> an elephant is six point eight metric ton. Wait, a male African elephant can weigh up to six point eight metric tons. Ah, All right, so a billion elephants. So, what did you say? How many? Six point seven billion tons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So a billion elephants. <laughs> a billion elephants. Is that a year? Is that what you said? Yeah. They're pulling out a billion elephants of silica. A, that's crazy. <laughs> that's. Jeez, oh, means an, an insane, an insane number of elephants. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you heard it first here at the Geology Flannel Cast. <laughs> yeah. I hope I hope you're only half paying attention. You're like. All right, diatoms are producing elephants in the ocean. Got it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> billion elephants every year. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I the mighty diatom has has gained a lot of respect in my book. Yeah, I I, I had no idea before this podcast how 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 important these things were, and just. What they were doing to the earth, man. Jeez, yeah. oh me. We should, no we should lobby for like a, a, a national diatom day or something. Yeah. Terraforming the earth. And you think about Terraform- it. They are. <laughs> the, who's really in charge here? Yeah. yeah. The diatoms are the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so, so, okay. So it turns out that the, these organisms are pulling out the silica from the ocean water. They're secreting, um, they're but, secreting 
this uh, the silica to make their shells, their opal shells. I have a question though. Okay, what's your question? You said these diatoms didn't come onto the scene until later uh, in life. Ah, yes, I'm so happy you said this. I'm so happy you said this. When we talked, that's why we said that chert gets super abundant or it gets the it increases starting from the Cretaceous period. Diatoms show up and they're like, yo. We're pulling out all the silica out of the ocean. Water. And that's <laughs> no one's why been eat, no one's been eating this silica. So, okay, let's go back. Where was that? Check line? out my mad shell. It's opalescent. <laughs> Where was that line? We talked about the, when they were, uh, when they were abundant. Uh, okay, here it is. Uh, Chirts are particularly abundant in Jurassic to Neogene rocks. All right. So diatoms show up in the Cretaceous. Uh, less then, abundant in the Silurian and Cambrians. All right. How does that does that relate to the mass extinction events at all? Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Oh, dude, Pete tried crack. <laughs> so Ordovician Silurian at end of end of Ordovician, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, least abundant Silurian. No. Well, after the Ordovician mass extinction. Yes. Oh, it gives way. Well, I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it least abundant in the Silurian. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe that has Maybe. a distinction. Uh, I don't know about the Cambrian stuff. Why they're why they're not um, abundant in the Cambrian rock? You'd think the whole life explosion thing going on. But yeah, if, if sponges were around, and sponges are making their glass shells, then. But- but it's not abundant. Yeah, I don't know why the Cambrian. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by the calcium carbonate stuff. All yeah. the other shelled organisms. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> anyway, it's one. Of, it's also one of these things where, like, a tweak in the ocean chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Throw, I was just going to say that. Yeah, you get volcanic eruptions. You get periods of increased volcanic activity. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, well, that's a one amazing chertorific chert episode, gentlemen. We're not done yet. Hi, I, I, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm in <laughs> shock and awe. I thought we were done. I I didn't know there was anything more we could learn about chert. Um, so it said ra- uh, radiolarians, diatoms, and silicoflagellates. Right? I see. I guess those are like dinoflagellates. Yeah, or fla- dinoflagellates are these little microscopic organisms with these cute little tails, kind of like little tadpoles. <laughs> um, but they have uh, uh, they're basically their skeletons are made of the mineral opal, right? Just remember, opal is just quartz with a little bit of uh, an H two O molecule in there. Um, so uh, they were abundant enough during the Phanerozoic. Uh, during Phanerozoic time to extract most of the silica that was put into the ocean from things like weathering and stuff like that. So all of these little tiny little microscopic animals are sucking the silica out of the oceans. All right. Uh, most of the silica was probably moved by diatoms within the last 50 million years. You said, Jesse, they're like, they're just the heavy hitters are sucking out the silica yeah, out of the ocean. A billion elephants a year worth. A billion elephants a year. So, Another fun fact about uh, how long does silica hang out in the ocean for? Well, it turns out silica hangs out for like two to 300 years 
before your uh, before your uh, the biology sucks it out. The animals, the the little microscopic organisms, suck it out, make their shells out of it, and then it takes about eleven to sixteen thousand years for it to be incorporated into the geologic record. So that's the residence time of silica in the ocean. So you're huh. talking basically by the time the the river hits the ocean, you're anywhere from eleven to sixteen thousand years before it's part of the rock record. Before it's part of the rock record, yeah, yeah, crazy. So silica that has hit the ocean at any time during the Holocene epoch has not yet been incorporated into the rock record. Um, so that's great for the Phanerozoic charts, but the last thing <laughs> I want to talk about. Not the Precambrian Church, gentlemen. The Precambrian Church. Gotta before these little from... micro these microorganisms were hanging around. We're gonna end at the beginning here. We're gonna end at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is that no one knows why we have all these churts, especially in the banded iron formations. We oh, don't. all right, great. Well, thanks for tuning know. in. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Uh, potentially, did it come from cyanobacteria? Is one hypothesis. Is there an inorganic mode of chert formation that we're just not aware of? Uh, was there just more silica content in Precambrian oceans? And was this potentially related to increased volcanic activity? We don't know. We just don't know. Crazy. But uh, I was thinking about that. Anyways, I was talking about the sponges evolving 700 million years ago, which does line up with um, the, the banded iron formations. Yeah. And you have um, <clears throat> volcanism sort of gets us out of snowball earth. Mm -hmm. so, that. so yeah, that could be the contributing factor, which wow. would also change the chemistry of the ocean just enough to do some yeah, wonky I wonder, things. I mean, just the, yeah, it's interesting, especially when you think about like <clears throat> the two, three billion year ago biffs and you start oxygenating things. I wonder if that just affects your ocean chemistry. Yeah. I mean, with the, there's a lot of stuff with the banded iron formations about how the iron gets there, but researching the banded iron formation stuff, I didn't see anything about. They really nothing. Nobody really talked about the uh, the charts being put down. At least that I came across. They're just obviously banded iron formations, not the banded chert formations. You know. Yeah, and let, let's face it, the iron is economically viable. The chert yeah, is the too. chert is in the way. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, I'm Big not. Flint? Is Jasper. Coming for you. <laughs> Jasper. 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 <laughs> yeah. I knew Jasper. a guy. I knew a guy named Jasper once. You didn't want to cross him. Yeah. Big, big Jasper's in charge. All Anyhow. right. And that is the end of the chart podcast. Hopefully you guys learned more about chart than you've ever learned before. I, I honestly did learn a lot today. Thank I, you. I gained a lot of respect for chart. Diatoms. And right? diatoms. Diatoms. Holy I, shnikes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Diatoms. One, that's where it's I, at. For one, welcome our diatom overlords. <laughs> <laughs> The diatoms decide to go on strike. We're screwed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're essentially Mars. <laughs> there's going to be so much silica in the ocean water. If the diatoms aren't pulling that out, there's going to be a silica. Billion... Yeah. 
we'll all be suffocating and nitroglycerin is just blowing up everywhere. Goodness. Goodness. <laughs> That's a world that I don't want to live in. All right. I don't want to be around. <laughs> oh man. I love it. I'm going to make some bumper stickers. I heart diatoms. <laughs> if you know a diatom, just call them up and just say, thank you. We really, <laughs> really appreciate what you're we doing. We appreciate you diatoms. Um, but speaking of appreciation, thank you to all our Patreons who are out there listening to us right now or listening to us uh, on our recording or watching us on YouTube. Thank you. Um, if you'd like to become a Patreon, please check us out at patreon.com slash geology flannel cast. Um, we're on the Insta, as the kids say, uh, Facebook, which um, I forgot you know, to post last week's episode. But Steve, it's a proven fact. If you want to sound old, you say, as the kids say, that's yeah, exactly. a proven fact. That- <laughs> it, it, it's, it's on the, the Google told me so. Um, <laughs> uh, Instagram, Facebook. What, what else are we on? Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Everything so, you name it, yeah. we're, uh, the, we got, the we got interwebs Um, We have merch for sale. We got mugs and T-shirts and stickers. Oh my! We um, we got a we got some shirt ideas in the works here. Yeah, I heart, I heart diatoms. diatoms. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there was another one we talked about in the very beginning of the show too. Yeah. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a brainstorming event. So, but or if you have ideas for us that we can profit off of, please send them to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can go, click on contact us on geologyfinalcast.com. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. If you'd like to help out the the podcast, help us with the you know just kind of paying the bills here, upgrading some equipment, things like that. Um, you can go to patreon.com/slash/geologyfinalcast um, and help us out that way, or obviously all the merch. Yeah. Uh, on the website helps out as well. Uh, Jesse yeah. is legit on his daughter's laptop. And how old is Evelyn? She just turned seven. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Sitting on the floor on her laptop. <laughs> she has a better computer than I do. <laughs> so we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The fan on my computer is, is becoming louder and louder. I'm like, hold on, keep holding. <laughs> Just keep on wrapping that duct tape around that computer, you know, and just yep. come on, baby. Uh, my, mine today sounded like it was getting ready to lift off or something. It just kept getting louder and louder and hotter and hotter. <laughs> I'm like, what? I just have Chrome open. What is going on? Yeah, I did. Um, it was funny. Some I was talking to someone and they're like, because I, I have a computer in my office. That's a, you know, it's a desktop and I was on my laptop and they're like, Oh, and I was saying, it was joking about how it's old. So I was like, Oh, you know, you can get your department to get you a new one. And I laughed and, laughed <laughs> and then started crying. <laughs> Actually, as you guys were just talking about this, my laptop just turned on and some weird messages came up. I hope it's all right. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> creepy. Something just happened. It's it just booted up on its own right now in front of me. Yeah. It's become sentient it, it and just talking said, to you. Hello, this is the diatoms. It's about time we got that true appreciation. <laughs> uh, all right. On that note, everybody, yes. uh, thank you so much. And hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And we'll see you next week. Whose turn is it next week to pick an episode? 
Me? That would be Thornburg. If you hate the episode next week, you can blame <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. Uh, I'm just joking. It will be an amazing episode. It will. Tune tune in next week. Diatons <laughs> maybe do whole episodes about diatons. <laughs> we just <laughs> keep on just it's like every episode builds on the last one. All right. Hey. <laughs> it's like a it's a, like a nice arc. That's yeah. how you, you get them you get them hooked and they have to keep listening. Yeah. Yeah. What's gonna happen next? Oh, right? That's why I watched Breaking Bad because it was just like, oh my god. The last the last five to ten minutes of every breaking bad episode just got crazier and crazier. And and that's the, every I think every show now built just take took that and just that's what <laughs> they do now on shows. But anyway. Anywho. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We love you guys, and we will see you next week on the premier geology podcast. The Geology Flannel Cast. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs>